And I hope you came today to receive from God. I hope you came today to be encouraged. And I hope you came today expecting God to do something in your life. If you did come expecting, let's give him another hand clap of praise in response to that. And believe, believe that God is going to do amazing, amazing things in our hearts and our life. Our receptivity determines a lot about what happens in our life and through our life and what God can plant in our life and grow in our life. But you have to have a receptive heart. You have to have a receptive spirit and begin to let God permeate your life and do the amazing in your life. And so my prayer is that you wouldn't resist the things of God, but you would receive the things of God and let God do the amazing in your heart and in your life. And today we're going to talk a little bit about baptism because baptism is significant in the life of the believer, the one who has believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to speak into that a little bit today, and I want to encourage many of you to take that step of obedience and be publicly water baptized, no matter how old you are, if you've believed in Jesus Christ. Because I do believe that that is a step that many of us need to take in order for our journey to really begin to take off and be exactly who God has created us to be. And there's a lot of things about baptisms that our culture today has made up, and there's a lot of things about baptism our culture today has basically misunderstood because of the way it's been treated. But today we're going to talk a little bit about what the mean of baptism, water baptism, is all about and what God wants to do in and through a water baptism in your life and in the church's life and in the life of of the world. And so we're glad you came today. Now, what I've discovered, you know, along my journey is that a lot of times fear and faith can look a lot alike. Did you know that? Fear and faith can look a lot alike. Fear and then faith in God can look a lot alike, and we can even fool ourselves. And the question is, are we operating out of fear or are we operating out of faith in God? See, a lot of times fear can hold us back, and a lot of times our faith can keep us, hold us back from doing things that we shouldn't do. And so they can look alike sometimes as we as we look at others and we begin to look at our own life. And I have to ask my question, am I withholding things in my life because of faith that I have in God, or is it because of fear I have of the world? And then a lot of times, faith can make us seem a little irrational as we're walking through life. A lot of times, faith will make you do things that, that actually, you know, you wouldn't normally do in, in life because you have faith in God and what he said And where he has taken you to. In other words, if you believe in the greatness of God and God has created you for greatness and your identity is found in him, then you begin to take steps of faith towards that new identity and walk in it. However, you know, sometimes people out of fear begin to do irrational things too. And sometimes those things aren't very healthy. In other words, sometimes people give in to certain things and do things with their life and their body that they should have never done because they are fearful of what maybe someone else thinks or somebody else says that they are. And today I'm going to talk about a fear and faith a little bit because the Bible makes it clear that God, those of us who have faith in God, we operate by a different system. 
We operate by a different power. And, you know, again, they can resemble each other a lot, but the writer here writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy reminds him that, you know what, he wants him to operate, not be bashful in who God has called him to be, operate in the fullness of his identity and his assignment and what God has given him to do. And then he also tells him to embrace the local church, what he's a part of. And so he writes this letter to Timothy. Paul writes this letter called 2 Timothy. And as he's reminding him of these things, he says something in in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that really stands out to me. And I hope it stands out to you today and it speaks to you and it encourages you to take uh, the step of being publicly baptized as we kind of dissect this a little bit as you're identifying uh, who God says that you are. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says this. It says, for God, everybody, uh, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit, those of us who have believed, of fear and timidity. But it says he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline or a sound mind. Now, does that describe who you are? Because the Bible says that basically the spirit that's alive and at work in us really defines who we are. And so are you a person who is timid and fearful of being who God says that you are? Or are you operating in a powerful way, in a loving way, And is your life disciplined as you walk through this earth showing that you are a child of God? The Bible says that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Fear and timidity a lot of times are are things that happen in our life when when we're so worried about who we are and we don't know who we are. And this is the challenge with a lot of people in life. It was a challenge in my own life. I, I was a very, and, and you know, in still some ways I am, but I was a very bashful person. And it was simply because I hadn't found my identity in Christ and I didn't understand who I was. And so when I would walk into a crowd, I was more worried about who they thought I was than, than who God said I was. And many times in my life, I would perform a certain way because of who I was around. And and I was driven by fear, not by faith in who God said I was. And there's a big difference because when I began my journey with Christ and I finally understood who he was, he began to show me who I was in Christ Jesus. This is significant for you to understand. Because God, my friend, doesn't only want you to understand who he is. He needs you to understand who you are in Christ Jesus and live it out each and every day of your life. And if you don't understand who you are created to be, chances are you'll be timid 
and you'll be bashful and you won't step in to the boldness, the power and the fullness and the love and the discipline that God has called you to as a believer in Jesus Christ because you're operating out of fear instead of out of faith in who God says you are. Now I want to give you a human example. If you were here last weekend, uh, my dear friend Lisa Moss talked from this stage to thousands of people for the first time. And can I tell you something? When I first met Lisa uh, several years ago, again, she was a lot like I was. She was kind of a, a bashful person because she was on the journey, really. She knew who God was, but God was beginning to show her who she was. And every time you would talk to, to Lisa, she would just she would turn red right up in here. You know what I'm saying? A little nervous. But I've watched her grow in her journey, and I've watched what God did in her life and is still doing it in her life, and he has defined who she is. And she stepped on this stage last weekend with boldness, with confidence in God's word and who he said she was, and she spoke a word of truth. And it was amazing. I got to watch it on the Internet, and it was simply amazing. And can I tell you something? God is, is highly motivated by those who discover their identity in who he is and begin to unify with the local church and be who he has created them to be and walk in the fullness of it each and every day. Because God's church, God's people, God's called out ones, that's who the church is. We're called out of darkness into the wonderful light so that we can, we can begin to expose uh, darkness in this world and shine the light of Christ in this world and make a difference with our life in this world. And the, the writer here in Second in, in Timothy wants young Timothy to be bold in who God has created him to be. He wants him to connect to the local church and never be ashamed of the local church. He actually tells tells young Timothy here, he says, right now, I'm in a, in a position that is not the most desirable position. I'm in prison because I've been sharing the good news about a resurrected Jesus Christ. And in our culture, Timothy, there's a lot of religious people that don't like this new good news about Jesus. And I've been put in prison because I've been sharing that Jesus is resurrected and the Holy Spirit, the power of God has come into all of those who believe, even those who are not of the Hebrew background like I am. And he says, you know what? They have, they have ridiculed me and thrown me in prison because I've been sharing the message of a Messiah has come. And, and he says, don't you be ashamed of the church because you know what? God's still going to use me right here in prison. See, see, a lot of times we are ashamed to be a part of what God has set apart in the world to display incredible power and discipline and love. And my friend, the church is the answer to the world's problems because the church carries the message of a risen, resurrected Savior that will rescue someone out of whatever bondage they are in and take them on a journey into the promises of God. And the church has this message. 
But the church don't just have a head. The church has a body. The church is the body. And the head is Christ. Have you ever seen a head without a body? It looks kind of bad. Have you ever seen a body without a head? It doesn't work. See, and again, the church without Christ doesn't work. And Christ without the church doesn't work. And so in other words, God is highly depending on you as you depend upon him. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more next week. God has expectations of you, sir. Ma'am, back there in the back, God has an expectation of you. He wants you to have a heart for his house, his plan, his purpose. And sir, he wants you to surrender your life to it so you can operate in the fullness. Hey, young fellow over there, in the fullness of who God says you are. See, a lot of times we're, we're trying to, to operate not out of who God says we are, but we're trying to operate out of who the world says we are. But when we become a part of God's family, God's church, God's body, we can do amazing, amazing things. And today, we're going to be doing beach baptisms at 5 p.m. And many of us that are a part of the body are going to go there to celebrate with the new parts that are coming into the body. Those who are announcing that Jesus is the king of their life, that they have identified with who God is and who he says they are, because that's what baptism is. It's a, it's a declaration of who God is and who he says you are. And again, a lot of people... A lot of people think it's about what you wear to baptism, and I declare to you it's not what you wear to your baptism today, but it's what you wear in your life after baptism every day that begins to determine who he is and begins to bring light and hope into a community. In other words, baptism isn't just a ritual that we go to. Baptism is just something that we kind of do in the church to, to make ourselves feel good. Baptism is, is really a declaration of who I belong to and who the one I belong to says I am. And so I'm going to dive into that a little bit over the next few moments. And I want you to understand this because, you know what, some of us have known who God is for a lot of years. Where some of us are a little bit elderly in this congregation. But we still don't we still don't identify with who he says we are. And today you can nail that down and, and you can actually paint a memory for your own self through public baptism. And I'm gonna invite you into that. We're gonna be baptizing in the ocean. We're gonna, we have an opportunity for you to sign up today right after this service, right out front at the black tent. But it's gonna be our last ocean baptism for, for this season. And I believe that God is, is, is calling many of you to step forward and be obedient in this area of your life. And again, the water isn't going to do anything for you, but it can identify and paint a picture, take a snapshot for you to remind you of what has happened in your life and what God has called you to be and do in your life. And so as we 
talk about that because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a, and a sound mind. I want us to, to maybe write this down today. Baptism, when we do these baptisms today at 5 p.m., baptism can make a memory for you. It can help you remember who God is and who he says you are. Listen to what the word of God says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. The writer talks about the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God who came through Christ Jesus as he gave his life on a cross and then resurrected from a grave. And God showed this unmerited favor to humanity at the time of the cross. And again, it's the grace. We didn't deserve it, but God chose to give it anyway. And, and the writer here says, well then, he asks a question. Should we keep on missing the mark of God's glorious standard? Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? He's like, that's ridiculous. He says, of course not. He answers his own question. And since we have died to sin, our old life, missing the mark of God's glorious standard for our life, he says, how can you continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ Jesus by baptism. It was a picture. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power. Everybody say power. power. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Father. Just as he was raised from the dead by the power of God. Look what it says. Now we also may live these new lives. The same power that lifted Jesus from physical death is available to you and me to live a new life that God has given us. Power. Power. And since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful, this is what baptism can, can resemble for you. Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that, so that, that is a key phrase in all of scripture from front to back. I call it the so that clause. Literally, it's a, purpose clause that threads all of scripture. In other words, whatever God does in your life, it always has a so that. It has a purpose. God has a vision for you and for me. Look what it says. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power. Everybody say power. So no longer does missing the mark have power over your life once you put your faith in Jesus Christ because that power that lifted Jesus from the grave is now available to you and me. And so we no longer, it says, live, look what it says, as a slave to sin. So baptism 
is a representation that you have taken on a new identity. You are under new management. And when you go under that water, it's as if you died to the old master, the old management, the old leader, the sinful nature of your life. And you come out of that water identifying that now you have the new nature of God, the power of God that leads your life each and every day. And baptism is a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and makes us understand that no longer do we have to submit our life to missing the mark of God's glorious standard. We have the power of God in our life to hit the mark of his standard over and over and over and over and over again. It's a beautiful picture. So if someone tells you, Well, you just got to just keep on sinning. You know, we're all sinners, you know. We're just saved by grace. Hallelujah. That's what they say down here in the South. (laughs) You tell them, no. I don't have to keep on sinning. Missing the mark of God's glorious standard. Because he has raised me to new life and he has a purpose and a plan for my life. And I'm going to choose not to miss the mark of his standard, but I'm going to choose to walk in the fullness and the power of who he says I am. And I'm going to walk in it all the days of my life. Come on. See, baptism can remind you that the old is gone and the new has come. And again, Baptism isn't something that we do where everybody is just kind of cute and goes down to the ocean and enjoys the sea breeze and gets baptized and, oh, this was beautiful today. See, because a lot of people go and get beats baptized because they're like, oh, it's just a beautiful setting and I just want to get dunked in that ocean water. And again, I want you to be dunked in the ocean water, but I want you to understand the significance of it. When those waves wash over you, when you go under that water, remember that you just put your past life behind you and no longer does that identify who you are. And because God has come into your life, you know what? Now you are identifying with who he says you are and now you are going to walk towards it and you're going to do all you can do to live in the promises of God. It's a beautiful picture. Swallowed up the old life and walking in the fullness of the new life. It's kind of what happened to the Israelites, isn't it? As they left 400 years of bondage and slavery. And God came and rescued them. And he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to carry you through the Red Sea and I'm going to swallow up the enemy behind you. So you can begin to move forward towards the promises I have in store for you. And they identified and they trusted God and they got to the end, uh, to the place where they didn't really want to step through the Red Sea. But God made such a, such an impact behind them and put the impossible in front of them. And he spoke to the leader and they didn't really, they were either going to die or they were going to have to step forward. And, and God swallowed up the Red Sea and they went through the Red Sea. Then he swallowed up the enemy behind them. But that was simply to remind them that no longer does Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, have a hold on your life. But I have promises in store for your life. Trust me. Walk with me. Step with me. Have a discipline and understand who I am 
and understand who you are. You are my called out people to display my amazing power and glory as I'm walking, as you're walking towards the promise. See, I want you to understand when you step through those baptism waters today, it's a way for you to understand the old life is gone, the new life has come. And let that etch a memory in your mind. I think back to to my baptism. Oh, I got baptized when I was a kid like many of you. But it had no significant meaning in my life. The only reason I did it is because all my friends who were six years old was walking forward. And my parents said, oh, shoot, maybe you would be a good Christian too and get baptized. And I didn't understand it at all. And it didn't have no significance in my, meaning, in, in my life. But, but I got baptized in the name of Jesus. And I got baptized, you know what, as, as, as a person at the age of 32 when I understood who Jesus was as Savior and a resurrected King, I got baptized to identify with with my old life is gone and my new life has come. And I began to really comprehend that my belief is in Jesus, not in who I used to be, but it's in who Jesus says I am. And I came out of that water. And can I tell you, it's etched on my mind. It's etched on my mind. It's not just a a thing you do. And I know a lot of denominations that say, hey, we should baptize everybody. But the Bible makes it crystal clear that those water baptism in the New Testament was done for those who believe. Those who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And can a five-year-old believe? Absolutely. Can a five-year-old understand the good news of a resurrected Jesus? Absolutely. But also, a 55-year-old and a 75-year-old can understand it too for the first time. And so it doesn't matter whether you are five, 55, or 75. What we want to know is have you believed That your old nature no longer masters you, but Jesus is the king of your heart, the Lord of your life. And you're declaring that when you walk through these waters down here. You don't have to be a flipping theologian to understand that. Have you died to your old self? And are you walking to the power and the nature of who God says you are? Come on, somebody. It's an identification process. As a matter of fact, many of you don't even know this, but baptism in the origination was even a a Christian thing. In other words, you know what? A lot of people in that culture identified with a messenger's message. And they would be baptized multiple times. And even when the people were being baptized in the Jordan River where King Jesus got baptized... What King Jesus was saying when he got baptized is simply this. John the Baptist was looking at the Jewish people and he was saying, turn from missing the mark of God's glorious standard. Repent. He says, the Lamb of God is among us and be baptized. And he's sharing this message with Jewish people. He's saying, look, uh, repent and be baptized. The Lamb of God is here. The Messiah is here. And you know what Jesus does? He steps forward and says, you know what? 
He's exactly right. Identify with what that messenger's saying. Let me be baptized. And can I tell you, the Bible says from that point forward, because the Messiah was there, because Jesus was the Messiah, and he was identifying with John's message. But, but what happens a little bit later on, some of the same people that was there identifying with that message who were baptized in the Jordan along with Jesus. And they left. They went out into the wilderness. You can look at this sometime, Acts chapter 19. The Bible says that several years later, a man named Paul found these people and he started talking to them and he, and he started sharing this good news about a resurrected Jesus and they'd already been baptized once because he asked them, he says, well, well if, you, if you haven't received the spirit of God in your life, then what baptism, what baptism did you receive? And they said, we received the baptism that John was doing back down there in that uh, Acts, you know, back, back when you were here, Jesus, or, or Paul, when Jesus was here, we received the baptism of repentance because he said the Messiah is here. And Jesus says, well, the Messiah was here, but the Messiah has come and the Messiah has resurrected. His name was Jesus. And, and he says, he gives you the, the power of God in your life. And you know what they said? They said, well, baptize us again because we identify with that message. We want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go read it. It's amazing. They got baptized again. And because they were now identifying with the message of the apostle Paul, that Jesus had come, he had resurrected, and God had sent Holy Spirit horsepower to those who believe. And you know what? They said, well, shoot, we want some of that. We want to be baptized in your message, Paul. We don't only want to be baptized for repentance. We want to be baptized to receive the message that you're sharing. And can I tell you, it was an identification process. It was even used outside of the Christian faith. And though most of the ceremonies today are done, you know, by Christians' baptism, but that's literally what we have made them, is ceremonies instead of celebrations. Which leads me to my next point, is baptism isn't only to etch a memory for you, that the old is gone and the new has come. But it shares a message with the church, those who have already believed and been baptized. That's why I get excited about going. That's why I'm going to show up today at 5 o'clock. That's why I'm going to go to this amazing celebration. It's because the people who step through those baptism waters, you know what, are making a, a visual communication, not only uh, to remember something, but, but they're telling me that, that we are a part of the same team. We belong together. Listen to what the word says, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It says, for there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, in all, and living through all. And so he, he shares a message that, hey, you know, there's, there's one church, there's one people group now called out by God, and he says, that, that people group operates by the Spirit of God, and we're all baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive the Spirit of God, and we operate, and we walk according to the faith that we have in him. And there's really one only hope for the future is the king who resurrected and ascended is going, going to return. And can I tell you something? Every time someone steps through that baptism water, it reminds me, 
that God still has more work to do and he's adding people to our family, to our body, to help get the work done and help. You know what? Uh, they're going to they're gonna have gifts. They're going to have resources. They're going to have talents that, that I don't have, that you don't have. And together, they're going to have relationships and connections. And together, we're going to be able to reach more people. And see, you should receive that today. Whenever you go down there, it's like somebody's joining your team, man. The championship team. And they have been recruited by King Jesus. They're putting on their God jersey and they're saying, hey, we are a part of the same family. We are a part of the same team. And I'm going to join with you. And together, we're going to change the world. Unified. Unified around who God is and who Christ is in our life. Using our variations of gifts, our diversity, to share this with the world. And can I tell you something? It's, it's kind of it's like this. And you shouldn't be confused. And so don't go through the baptism waters and confuse me. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, if you saw a person wearing a garnet jersey on the front and an orange jersey on the back, it was like two-sided. In other words, the front was the Gamecocks and the back was the Clemson Tigers. You would be totally confused about who that person is. In other words, like, dude, no, no, no. Who are you for? Are you for the Gamecocks? Or are you for the Tigers? No, no. You're like, either get all in or all out. One of the two. Because you can't be both. You, you can't be Gamecocks and Tigers at the same time. So either put on your Gamecock jersey and say we are one and we're cheering for the Gamecocks. Or put on your Clemson jersey and say we are one and we're cheering for the Tigers. Which one are you? And see, a lot of times people go through the baptism waters. And because the people standing on the sidelines don't know what team they're on. They're totally confused about what that person in the water is announcing. I'm telling you right now, if you are announcing to the world that you are dying to your old self and being raised to new life in Christ, it says that you are a part of the body, part of the family, and I have an expectation of you. And what I mean by that is my expectation is that you rise to new life and you help me change the world. Can I tell you, the Navy SEALs are not confused about who they are. And when they go on a mission, their expectation is everybody comes home. Their expectation is they're not going to lose their mission. And they're all going to join together. And they're all going to come home. And each person does their part. In other words, the guy with the gun don't try to be the intelligence guy with the radio. They work together. Come on, somebody. And they depend upon one another. And because they're unified in their mission and their purpose and they work together, can I tell you something? They stay together and they're successful over and over and over and over because they're committed. They're all in. Don't go through the baptism waters 
and be half Gamecock and half Tiger. In other words, you're telling me and the rest of the community that I'm all in. I believe in Jesus. He's changed my life. I'm a part of his family, the called out ones. And I'm going to walk in the fullness of who he says I am. That fires me up. You know, kind of like this. Have you ever, here in North Myrtle Beach, we actually are a tourist area. And so when you drive down 17, there's just something that bonds together for those who are on the same team, right? I mean, and so when I ride down 17, I've been here now for about, 14, 15 years. And, but I'm originally from Georgia. Well, there's some tourists, a few tourists from Georgia in our community. And they have a license plate. It's unique. It's a Georgia license plate. Well, when you go on 17, there's, there's people from all over the place. There's South Carolina, North Carolina, Ohio, some of those yellow tags from New York and all those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? I don't 17. But when I see the Georgia license plate, Something amazing just leaps inside of me. And what I, what, I, what I mean is I pull up beside the person. I'm like, man, they got a, they from Georgia. I'm from Georgia. We got something in common. Come on. And I start waving. and like, who's that crazy man? I'm like, whoa, we're from Georgia. You know what I'm saying? Just something, something unique. Go dogs. Roof, roof. And, and again, it's just because we're from the same area. And there's something about being cut from the same cloth and unified around the same thing that begins to draw you together, cause love to leap in your heart for those who are a part of the same thing you are. This is what makes being a part of the local church so cool. It's because it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your language, nor your gender, nor your age. What matters is you know who Jesus is and you're understanding who he says you are. And you're going to take who he says you are and you're going to join up with other people in the same mission wherever God has planted you. And together you are going to flourish. So I love those who have different gifts than I have, who look different, smell different, act different than I do. And we join together for this common mission. Come on. And for you people who don't get excited about Georgia tags, I know some of you are from New York and you get excited about that yellow and black tag. Like, that man, they from New York. I'm like, run them off the road. I'm just teasing. (laughs) We love New Yorkers at Barefoot Church. We love Ohioans at Barefoot Church. We love people from California, Alabama, Tennessee, and New Jersey. I really think it's unique that God has brought us all here together with a common bond, his name is Jesus, and a common purpose to share the good news of who Christ Jesus is in the world. And so my friend, 
I love you. I don't care what your license plate is as long as you belong to Christ Jesus. And I am here to elevate you. I am here to call you. I am here to challenge you to step out of who you used to be and step in to the newness of who God says you can be. So baptism, people are going to be making that announcement today. And we're excited. Come on, you can sign up at the tent today and you can be there early at 445 to get your baptism shirt and we're going to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. You want to be different in Myrtle Beach? Just show up early. (laughs) I thought that was really good. Last thing, baptism helps you identify and live by the power of God. Helps you understand the common love that we have. But it also, it also shares a snapshot with the world. That's how I wrote it down. And I want to show it again to you in, in a little bit different translation of God's word of Romans 6. But look what it says. It says, don't you know that all of us, who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism. It's a symbolic way to say, that, you know what, the old life is gone. And to the death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live the new life. And so again, it's not what you wear to your baptism But again, it's what has happened on the inside of you and your attitude and actions after the baptism that really begins to be a display to the world. And it allows us an opportunity when you go into that water and come out of that water for people to begin to ask questions, what are y'all doing? And we can explain, you know what, uh, people are saying that God is the leader of their life. God is the Lord of their life. God is, is the one that's in charge of their life. It allows us to do that down at the beach. And sometimes, you know what? We have people walk up and say, hey, I want that in my life. It's amazing. And people, our prayer team is there, and they pray with these folks, and they say, hey, I want to identify just like that. I'm tired of living my old life without the power of God in my life, without having purpose, without having unity, without having a heart for something bigger than myself. And I, I want to live by God. And so it's an opportunity for us to share with the world. But can I tell you what really is going to share with the world? It's your walk after your baptism. The disciplines in your life. God disciplines those he loves. Because the reason God disciplines you and me is he sees more in us than we see in ourselves. He sees more purpose in you, more value in you, more heart in you, more audacious uh, spirit in you. He don't want you to be timid anymore. He wants you to walk in the fullness of who he says you are. And he wants you to begin to walk by this amazing, amazing power. But remember, the Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, a sound mind of of self-discipline. And so the disciplines that you put in your life really tells the world a lot about the story of your life. And understand what God is doing in your life is supernatural. It is supernatural. And I think a lot of times 
The world is asking the question, why should I go to a church? I mean, I've even asked that question. Why? And it's so that I can be a part of something that's greater than myself. It is to worship a God who brought me out of bondage. And is carrying me into his amazing promises and the new life. But without my obedience and allegiance to his leadership. My friend, and getting new discipline in my life that comes from my creator. That it doesn't really have any power to transform anything around me. And I want you to understand that God calls you out. He doesn't just forgive you of the penalty of you missing the mark of God's glorious standard. But the Bible says that he gives you resurrection power to get over the old self, have new leadership in your life, and begin to walk in the fullness of your new self. And if people are going to come to church and we are going to change the world with our mission... We've got to get underneath new leadership. And so I'm reading this new book by John Brevere. You should get it. It's called Killing Kryptonite. And kryptonite is the substance that basically held back the superhero Superman from being living by his superpower. So what is the kryptonite? The substance that the church is partaking of that's keeping it from being this superpower in the world. That's the question he asked in that book. It's amazing. I'm going to be talking about it a little bit later on. But can I tell you what the substance is? It's sin. The kryptonite of the believer is sin. And if you are choosing to follow the sin master instead of the liberator of your life, my friend, it is kryptonite in the superpower and audacity of your life and the local church. And so here's the deal. Yes, we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. But understand, God is calling you out. Not so you can just keep on doing it. He's calling you out so you can stop missing and hit the target. What good would a coach be if you were missing the bullseye as as a person, as as an archer, and you just keep missing the bullseye, and they never tell you how to get it right? It's like, keep on missing, flip. That wouldn't be love at all. But see, God didn't only tell us how to get it right. He came and showed us how to get it right when he put on flesh and he dwelled among us. And Jesus hit the bullseye. And the power of God lifted him from a grave. And my friend, that same power is available to you. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? God doesn't give you a spirit of timidity and fear. He gives you a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline, a sound mind. 
And so if you're not disciplined in your walk with Jesus, I just invite you today to draw off of the Holy Spirit horsepower and put it to death through public baptism. Put put sin to death and be raised to new life in Christ. Etch that on your mind and to begin to love God and begin to love the church as Christ did. Begin to have people as partners in your life. Get all in. Don't be happy half in and half out and then begin to show the world that we are superheroes by not partaking of kryptonite. It's awesome. Again. And the reality of it is, is some people will pass through the baptismal waters and just go through a ceremony. But again, I can just take your profession and believe that what God has spoken here today has pierced your heart and you truly understand what water baptism is all about and you come out of that waters announcing to the world I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus the old is gone, the new has come I un- I'm underneath a new operating system I have new management, it's called the Holy Spirit and by f- my, my friend you know what, I can say no to the things that are not of God and I can say yes to the, to the things by faith that are not yet seen yet. See, there's a difference in operating by fear and operating by faith in God. Faith in God begins to learn to say no to the things that are of God and yes to the supernatural things that you haven't even seen yet. He is making all things new. He is coming. He is returning. And my friends, we can operate and live life now. God, thank you so much for today. I thank you for this message. God, I pray today that many would respond by faith and be publicly baptized. God, they would understand that going under that water simply, simply is a mark that they have chosen to follow King Jesus. No longer is sin the master of their life, but they're burying that as they go under that water and they're coming up. They're walking in the fullness of who you say they are. And God, they may fall, they may stumble, but God, they're always gonna get back up because of your righteousness. And God, we won't quit, we won't lay down, we won't pull over to the side. We won't fear God, but we would be a people who walk by amazing faith. That eternity is real, that you're returning King Jesus, and you are setting up a kingdom that is unshakable. God, I pray that people wouldn't just trust what they see now, but they would live by faith in who you say they are. And God, it's easy to walk in fear because God, we just trust what we see. But God, when we walk by faith, God, we trust in what we don't yet see. And God, it's you. It's you. And God, we love you today. And I pray that your spirit would pierce believers' hearts here today, young and old alike, and many would go to that black tent out front today and sign up to be there at 5 p.m. to be publicly baptized. And God, I pray 
that the rest of us would show up and celebrate with the new parts of the body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can you give God a hand clap of praise today?